Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing today? You got my mic on? There we do. We're echoing, actually. Echo, echo. Hello. Hi. How's everybody doing? Good? Now, are you surviving? Because, you know, I just finished, we're just finishing four months here, and um, I'm feeling like I'm at home already. So, you know, I don't know about you guys. You doing all right? A lot of adjustments, I know. That's a transition. But you know what? God is good. And we've been seeing people giving their lives to the Lord, and we've been seeing people get baptized. And how many was here at that service last week? Was that powerful or not? That was just powerful just to see that. And, you know, we've been talking about faith, and that's what, one of the reasons why I wanted the uh, Teen Challenge to come, because those guys have a testimony that's live, working, in action right now. Amen? And what, and what that does is I, I love seeing them because when I see them, what it does, it helps build my faith. It understand, I understand that's why I preach, that's why I pray, that's why I seek God. That's why I want to love Jesus even more because God is big, He's strong, He's powerful, and He could do exceedingly above what we ask. Amen. It's so awesome just to see those testimonies. Um, one guy came up to me after the service and he goes, he goes, uh, you remember me? And I said, no, I don't really remember you. Anybody ever said that before? Our memory, you know, as you get older, it's kind of, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. Well, he said, well, when we came to Life Change, my first service, your wife and I, my wife and I, um, led him to the Lord. He came to the altar call, led him to the Lord. It was his first service, and now he's serving God, and it's been about like nine months, ten months now. And I was like, wow. And the reason why I don't remember him, because he looked so different. I mean, he looked like he was like Hollywood now, you know. Before he's like kind of, mm, and now he's like, I was like, wow, that's just amazing to see what God could do. And, you know, that's the way God wants to work. He just doesn't want to bring change for a little bit. He said that he'll bring forth fruit and that our fruit would remain. God's in the business of not only winning people, saving people, but he wants to disciple people, and then he wants that to move on and continue on. We went to a, um, a celebration yesterday for Joe Shepard and, I never got to know him, but I got to sit with his wife and his daughter uh, uh, the day before and just get to learn about him. And, and it's just awesome to know that so many quality people have been in this church that love God. I mean, I would have liked to have been around him. That guy was off the chain, man, driving his plane all around and landing on a, on a boat dock. I'm like, what? But he'd quote scriptures. He'd quote chapters of scriptures, and he was just a blessed man. And I just see that. That's part of the fruit of Salem first. And to me, it's just an honor to even be here because I know that God is answering prayers from people in the early stage, even now. He's answering prayers and believing. He's, he's, he's answering prayers and through us. He's going to do some more stuff. Anybody excited about that? Come on. But what we need is faith. And that was one of the reasons why we wanted the Teen Challenge there because I want us to believe that God is able to save anybody. 
I don't care how drunk they were. I don't care how religious they were. I don't care what they've been through. God is able to deliver and transform people. You know, I think about Paul. He was like on his way killing Christians, torturing them. The Bible said he was breathing out threatenings. That's a bad boy right there. He was, he was a mess to the church. But God knocked him off his horse and turned him around, and he became one of the greatest Christians that ever lived, in my opinion. I call him the Michael Jordan of the New Testament. The dude's off the chain, bro. He's, he, he, he wrote most of the New Testament, but he said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Those old things, they pass away, and behold, all things become new. He experienced the transformation. He had religion. He had the power. The, the, he, he had, he had an opportunity for great growth because he was a young man. He was growing in with the Pharisees. He was under the, the Pharisees and the teaching of Gamaliel. He had all kinds of opportunity, but he said, you know what? I count those as nothing but dung. You know what dung is? I mean, some of you farmers, I know Joe would know what dung is, Joe Shepherd, because he probably used it a lot while he was having his wonderful um, gardens and farms that he did. But he counted that as that, all his, all his accolades, all the things that he got, he counted them as nothing. Why? Because he knew that he apprehended Christ. And once he got a hold of Christ, he said, man, I'm going for it all the way. Aren't you glad he did? Aren't you glad you did? Aren't you glad I did? Come on. Woo. So I want to talk a little bit more about faith today. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. All of you sitting in this room, even if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're sitting here because you're believing in something that you've never seen before. You're, you're believing that there is a God in heaven, and we talked about Enoch. Enoch was a cool dude. He walked with the Lord, didn't he? The Bible said he pleased the Lord because he walked with the Lord, and he had this testimony that he walked with God. He habitually hanged out with God. And so what happened is he had faith. And the Bible says with, um, that without faith it's impossible to what? Please God. How many want to please God? The more our faith level is, the more we're going to please God. And see, he had this testimony that he that comes to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Evidently, Enoch was off the chain. He was like, man, I'm skipping um. I'm skipping my, my TV today, and I'm going to just be praying and seeking the Lord. Because I, I matter of fact, you know what? I'm going to even deny my own fishing trip. I'm going to even take away my little hunting today because I just have such a hunger and thirst to God, I'm going to walk with him. And the Bible says he walked with him for a long time, and eventually, God, what did he do? He took him up, got him out of there, said, bro, you're too tight. You're, you're too good. I'm not even going to let you die. I want you to hang out with me because we're having a fellowship and you have faith that's amazing faith. And amazing faith is this. When you believe in him and you walk with him and you believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Who knows what diligent means? It means hard work. Diligent is where you put the tool belt on. Get the hard hat. Start working hard. Diligently seek God. 
not just say, hey, God, maybe you'll come today or just give a, a nice little prayer in the morning, but God wants us to have a quest and a hunger and a thirst after God. The Bible says this, Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after God for what will happen. They shall be filled. They shall be satisfied. A lot of times, even as, as Christians, we get so involved and we get kind of distracted about our things that we want to do that we ended up doing stuff that's taken us from the thing that God really created us for is to fellowship the hunger after him. And when we do that, when we miss out on that, we miss out on the being satisfied. And it seems like nothing really satisfies us. And if anybody on earth needs to be satisfied, it's us Christians. Why? Because when, when you know God and you have peace with God and you are assured with God, when the world's all messed up, is it messed up? I will say it again, it's jacked up. It's a jacked up world. But knowing I have peace with God, knowing you have peace with God, you have faith in God, you could sit back and lay your head on the pillow and say, though the world go around and slam down, I know I'm right with God and I'm satisfied. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. Sometimes we just got to get in a place where we're so content with God that we don't care whether we got money or whether we don't. Paul said, I learned in, to, in all states to be there with content. He learned how to be obeyed. Guess what? He was in jail. But he learned how to abound. He was in the king's palace at times. They'd be like, King Agrippa's like, man, much learned made you bad. It's like, I'm hanging out in the king's palace. Oops, I'm back in jail. What happens? He learned to be in a place of contentment. And that comes to honoring, having faith in God, and acknowledging God. And seeking God. Some people say, well, what do you mean about seeking the Lord? What's that mean? You know, who, you know, where you at, Lord? God ain't lost. Somebody said, I found the Lord. Guess what? He didn't lose. He wasn't lost. God's always been around. He's always been ready. But God wants us in our heart to take time, make efforts. I thank God for um, corporate prayer this week. We had over 30 people there. It was just a blessing. It was good seeing the young people in there praying. I had four people pray, and they were praying, and one, one of them said, I don't know what to pray. I said, just start thanking Jesus. And she started thanking Jesus as one of the most beautiful little prayers I've heard in a long time because it was sincere with a true heart seeking God. Is that awesome? Hallelujah. So let's go to Hebrews, the, the chapter, which is the, the Hall of Fame. Chapter 11. If you got into chapter 11, it's like hitting the Hall of Fame. And a lot of people got there. And people got there that you would never expect. Can you believe a harlot was in the chapter 11? Rahab? Who said, I like that? Somebody said, I like that. I like it. You know what? You know what that means? If a harlot going to make it, guess what? Even we can make it. Rahab made it in there because what she did is she saw, when the spies came in, she saw something and heard about God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. She heard about God. She knew that God was doing great things, and she gave them advice and saved them. And guess what? Those, those, um, those spies, if they want to listen to a prostitute, giving them directions, go in the loft, hang out in the loft for a while. 
Then wait till the sun goes down. Then after a few hours, go out and, and hide. And then go take off and you'll be safe. And they were safe. They listened to a prostitute, a harlot. And guess what? They were safe afterwards. God's able to use anybody. Amen. See, what he did is he took her and use him. And you know what? If they wouldn't have listened to her, if they would have said, like, I'm so religious, I can't listen to her. Guess what? They would have never made the promised land. Because if they caught him, they would have over. Done deal. But you know what? That, that, that tells me that sometimes we can't, we can't despise help along the way. God will bring help along the way, even with us, as we go to see God do his kingdom, as we see a force out into this community as he moves beyond these walls and goes out into the, the apartments over there and starts speaking Espanol. Come on. Tu hablas Espanol mucho? No. Me gustaría aprender Espanol, pero es difícil. You know, I love to learn Spanish, but hey, it's kind of hard. But God wants us to be able to speak Spanish because there's Latin people everywhere around us. My kids went to, uh, in high school, they were taking French. I go, and one took German. I was like, come on, how many Germans do you see? How, how, how many French people do you see? I mean, I'm, I'm not against that at all. But guess what? You could use Spanish every day. Somebody would hook up with my brother over there, Brother Joe. I might say, ¿Qué pasa, amigo? ¿Cómo está? I go through the car wash, I'll be like, hey, que pasa, man? Mucho trabajo, poquito dinero. Somebody knows Spanish in here. But God can give us what we use so we can go and just touch them. And a lot of times, you know, some of the, the Latino brothers and sisters, when I start speaking Spanish to them, they're like, the dude is bad, but guess what? Let's, at least the gringo's trying. But we got to walk out there. we got to believe in faith that God's going to help us. God's going to give us the equipment. God's going to give us the enablement because God cares about every person around this building and around our place. There's thousands of people that drive by this street. We want this place to look where it's an enhancing atmosphere where they say, man, I want to go to that church. I want to come to that church because guess what? They're going to receive me for who I am. And there is no nationality, there is nobody that's lower than anybody. Because in heaven, guess what? Well, everybody, every nation, every tongue will be up there going, hallelujah. Do you know that when you say hallelujah in every language, it's the same word? You go to Germany, it's hallelujah. You go to, to DR, it's hallelujah. They might be, hallelujah. But it's the same because it's the highest form of praise to the almighty God. That's what we're all going to be doing up there. And I don't know about you, but I do know about you. I know about me. I want to make every effort in my life to take as many with me. You want to do that? You know, I wish it was possible that we could bring souls by just putting headlocks on them. I'd be like, you're coming to heaven. I don't, I don't, you're coming. Would you, would you do that? We'd all have a strong arm, wouldn't we? 
We'd be like Jesse with that strong hand. We'd be like, you're coming to heaven right now. Whether you like it or not. But we can't do that. But we can be constrained by the Holy Spirit and put such much love in our heart and so much understanding towards them that when we draw them, they know, bro, this is real. They care about me. They want me to come. You know, when I talk to people on the street, they know when who's, who's not. You know, sometimes you guys might think that street people, homeless people, um, are not that educated. Guess what? They have a, a street wisdom that a lot of us don't have. And you know one of their parts of their wisdom is? They can tell if you're real. They could, they've been around cons long enough. They've been around people with, with promises that only last about this, they're only about this tall. They seem tall, but they end up being this tall. So they know when we're real. And God wants us to be a place where we not only just talk the walk, we not only just talk about giving and helping and doing things, but we are the church that is a giving church that gives and does and goes all the way. Amen! That's what God's looking for us. And it takes faith. But as I was reading the chapter of faith that I was thinking about Enoch, man, I was like, man, God really loved that dude. That dude was off the chain. You know what that means? Cool, nice, very good. Because he seeked God and he loved God. But then as you go down the chapter, God talks about in, chapter, in verse 9, chapter 11, and there's so many people in, uh, talk about faith. Um, in chapter um, 11, it talks about faith 24 times. You get a, you get a, if I recommend everybody in this church to read chapter 11, just read it a few times, pray over it, read it, because it talks about faith over 24 times. For every hour, you got a word of faith for you. God's like, butter me, boom, here's some faith. Because faith comes by here and here by the Word of God. As you look at this Word, as you seek God, as you call out to Him, you say, God, give me the faith. And here's, I believe, you know how I talked about some of the ways of hindrance faith is, is our mouth, because we can speak faith. Power of life and death is in the tongue. If you just say, man, I ain't, nothing's going to happen here, guess what? More than likely, nothing will happen here, because something's going to happen here. But if you sit, walk into a job interview and say, man, I'll never get that job, what's going to happen? More than likely, you ain't going to get that job. But if you walk in there and say, God, I'm a Christian. You're able to give me favor in the sight of God and man. I'm walking in that job. I have faith in you. I trust in you. And I believe in you. Guess what? You got a pretty good chance that you're going to have a paycheck in about a week. Because you had faith and you spoke it. So speaking could hinder it if we speak negative against faith, against trusting and believing God. But another thing that we need to do as faith believers is we need to be like this in verse chapter 8 talking about Abraham. By faith, when he was called, he went out to a place which he should go after to receive for an inheritance and obeyed. And when he went out, knowing, not knowing whether he went. You know, sometimes... With faith, we don't know all the details. I know that bugs some people. Like my wife, she's a detailed person. She puts the dots on the dots. She knows the numbers. But guess what? When you've got to 
step out, not knowing exactly how we're going to do it, but knowing that God's calling us, we just got to trust God, and you're just going to have to be uncomfortable for a moment. But when you see God come through, you'll be like, hey, it was worth the wait. Because they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Come on now. And so he said he went out of the place. It, did not, um, it said that he did not know where to go. He did not know where he was, um, whether he would receive it. He obeyed and went out, not knowing whether he'd go. But by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. Let me tell you something. Every word of God is a promise. Every word of God. There's, there's one thing God can't do. It's lie. Every word that he says is going to come to pass. Every word in the Bible is true. It's yes and amen. Yea and nay. It is yes and amen. He's not like man that he should lie or repent. But his word is true. So he was believing in a promise. God told him to go out and get your inheritance. And he trusted the promise. As a, in, a strange, in a strange country dwelling in a tabernacle with Isaac, Jacob, and the heirs. And with him the same promise. For he looked for the city which had the foundation who builder and maker was God. That's what's going to really build us up and make us faith people. We can't just look at the things and the circumstance around us, but we got to be looking beyond that. We got to be looking for a city whose maker and builder is God. That means we got to have faith. You know, it ain't all about this world. If we just let the world hold us down and try and do our occupation and try and build up our kingdoms and try and build up our bank account and try and build up all the things that we have, if we just look at that, we miss the mark of faith. Because ultimately, faith, they were looking out and they're reaching out. You know, faith reaches out a long ways. They believed in the promise that was way far apart. Some of them didn't even receive the promise. But they were continually holding and embracing the promise, knowing that God's going to work it out. We have to look beyond. Jesus said, we're not of this world. Though you're in the world, you're not of this world. You know what uh, James said? You know how I talk about James. He's, kind of, he's a tough dude. I mean, being you know, Jesus' brother, you know he's pretty tough. He, 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 didn't, he didn't know how to pull punches, I mean, because, you know, I told you, when he goes to, he was sick, and he didn't want to go to school, Jesus said, you're healed, go on. So he knew the word was true, and one word that he said in James 4, 4, he says, whoever is a friend of this world is an enemy of God. Does, does that mean to be a friend of people? No, the world, the system. Because Jesus said, marvel not if the world hates you because it hated me first. We don't blend in the world. We, you know, we try to, you know, get our life stage. We get the fog out. We try and do some things sort of like the world. But when it comes to the world nature, the selfishness, the greed, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, we're not supposed to be like the world. We're supposed to be different. And what we need to do is we need to be like these great faith people. They've sojourned. They were just traveling through. They were pilgrims traveling through. I don't know about you, but I'm not, I'm not laying no solid foundations in this earth. I got tent pegs in this earth. How about you? Tent pegs. God's not asking us to go down. I lived in New York, and when they did the, um, 
they were talking about, you know, doing buildings. You'd see some skyscrapers go up. They'd go down like 15 stories into rock before they built up and built these major, uh, you know, skyscrapers. And they would blow back and forth, but they could hold, you know, solid. But they had to go down deep into the earth. We're not going down deep in the earth. We're going to be on the earth's surface. This is not my home. I just don't feel comfortable here. Because I know that this world doesn't have what God wants us to give us. Because eventually, God's going to take this world, and what's he going to do? A new heaven and a new earth. So we need to be able to look beyond our things and our personal life. So what happens is when we do that, we squelch what God wants to do in our life. When we start focusing on the things of this world. You say, Andrew, how does that happen? Well, remember the parable of the sower? where there was, there was rocks, there was uh, things in, inside the soil, and he said it was the cares of this world and the things of this life and the love of other things. Let no thing get in the way of you and your quest for God. You know, Jesus said this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Amen? First, and his righteousness. Then all those other things, those things that we need... Do I say don't go to college? Go to college. Be the best. Do I say don't have a career? Have a wonderful career. But don't let it hinder your walk with God. Don't let it stop you from loving Jesus with all your heart. Don't let it put water on your fire that God wants to put in your life. Let God be the center of your life. I told my daughter, I said, this scripture will be the same. Today, today, yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus first. And that does it. We need to put, put priorities. These people, if they were just soldiering, and they were looking for a place in heaven. They knew that, hey, I'm going to have a province. I'm going to have an inheritance. Abraham knew as the stars, there'd be many people. When he looked out and saw those stars, guess what? There's some of you guys' names written on those stars saying, that's going to be my inheritance. Because he had faith. But he wasn't looking for the home and the house. Even though, you know, Abraham, he was, that dude has some grip. He had a grip of money. He had a wad of cash. A wad means a big piece of money. That means he is rolling. He is balling. That means he was really doing good. Because even when, when the enemy took his nephew, he sent 300 of his servants and said, go get my bro. And he had the power and authority to do it. But at the same time, he knew that he was not of this world. Because when God said, take your son, your only beloved son, and sacrifice him, what did he do? He lift that knife up. He was ready to do it. He said, I don't understand it. God promised me something, but I'm going to trust God. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to lift my hand up. And he said, Abraham, chill. There's a lamb in the bush. And then he, we, we get the name that uh, we, we all love to say, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And he sacrificed it. Could you imagine Isaac? He's like, man, the fire you got, the wood you got, but who's the sacrifice? Who's the sacrifice? But Abraham had resurrection faith. He knew that God was going to deliver him even if he had to put the knife in him. God would have raised him up because he knew that God don't lie. God said, my son, for that seed, there'll be thousands of people. God don't lie. I trust in God. I don't understand it. I can't see the situation. But I believe with all my heart that God's going to work it. Because I'm not looking to this world. I'm looking to God. And I'm trusting the promises of the Lord. 
I'm standing on the promises of God. We used to sing that hymn. Remember, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Anybody heard that one? You know, when I first, uh, when I first started preaching, I got saved and I was at a church and they said, before you preach, you have to um, know how to lead songs. I'm like, dude, I can't even sing. How am I going to do that? But if you're going to let me preach, I'll do it. He goes, first you've got to get a suit jacket. I said, you got one. He bought me one. He says, you've got to have a tie. I said, okay. Got the tie. I said, how do you tie the thing? So he tied it for me the first couple services. And then after a while, I got smart. I got the clip on. Clip, and I put it on my hanger. It's like, it ain't time my tie no more. But we used to sing Victory of Jesus. We sang it at um, Joe uh, Shepherd's um, celebration yesterday. But we used to, when I used to lead songs, we used to go, Victory in Jesus. Like that, you know? And I'm like, man, will you hurry up and let me preach? Because I'm hurting people. Because I'm being very scriptural. I'm making a joyful noise to the Lord. And you want people to come to church, not leave the church, right? But I just, we believe God. We trust him that this world is not our home. We're just pilgrims. We're just sojourners. Our life is so short. I mean, our brother Joe lived to be 94 years old, and you'd say, man, that is a long life. But guess what? I bet you he remembers when he was 12. He remembers when he was 18. He remembers when he was 21. He remembers when he was 40. He remembers when he was 60. He remembers when he was 70. And he remembers when he was 90. And then all of a sudden, boom, the vapor is gone. But Joe is happy today. You know what his, scripture, what his favorite scripture was? To live is Christ and to die is gain. Come on now. He had a mindset of a sojourner. He's like, yeah, I'm farming these places. I'm building equipment. I'm flying a plane. I'm having fun. He rode a motorcycle. That's why I said I had to get along with this dude. But this is not my home. What will stop us from seeing God move in a great and a dynamic way if we just start squeezing on this earth in our house and me and my four and we just start getting selfish and thinking about ourselves, we're in bad trouble because God wants to do great things. God doesn't want us to be rich in this world. He wants to be rich in faith, rich in grace. You remember when uh, somebody was trying to get Jesus to divide his lot with his son? You know, they were having a conflict about money and Jesus said, you know, don't, the world is full of covenants, and he spoke a parable. He said, basically, he said a parable about a guy where God blessed his land. And then when he saw the land, here, let me read it right quick. That's in uh, Luke 12. I have my old King James with me. I apologize, my new King James at home. But, you know, hey, come hither, come thither. <laughs> Amen. They tried to get Jesus involved in the controversy over money, and Jesus said, look, covetous is not my deal because I'm not of this world. A dollar don't mean nothing to me. When Peter was having trouble paying taxes, he said, "Go, hey, check this out, bro. Go down and go fishing. And went fishing. Inside that fish had a piece of gold that paid for the taxes and for his lunch. Think about it. 
God ain't worried about money. He ain't worried about dimes. He ain't worried about dollars. He's worried about our heart. That's what he's worried about. And this is what this parable, so he spoke a parable to keep us away from thinking those ways. And this is a parable in Luke 12, 17. He said this, and, and he, um, he said, um, actually, let me start at verse 16. It says, and he spake a parable unto them, the ground of a certain man brought forth plentiful, brought forth a lot. And the thought within him said, he said to himself, Listen to the language this man is using. He don't sound like a bad guy, but listen to his language. He thought to himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room to, to put my fruit. And he said, this is what I will do. I'll, I'll pull down my barn, and I'll build a greater one. And I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll bestow all my fruits in my goods. I'll hang out and hold them there. I will say to my soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But then God answers in the parable that God said unto him, thou fool. You know, the Bible says called no man a fool, but guess what God did? He called him a fool. Because he put his efforts and his strengths in the natural ability that God has given him already. His land was fruitful. And guess what? When your land's fruitful, don't even count it on your own self. It's only God because every good and perfect gift comes down from who? From the Father of lights where there is no variableness. God blessed him and he says, my land was good. And God called him a fool. And he said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required thee. And, when th and then... Who shall those things be which thou hast provided? And he said, so, lay, so it is, he that layeth up treasures for himself and not riches towards God. You know that you could be rich towards God. You could be broke and still be rich towards God. You don't need to have a car and be rich towards God. You don't need to have a good job and be rich towards God. You don't need to have a gold necklace and some blingity-blings and be rich towards God. All you need to do is have a relationship and a hunger and enjoy the riches of His grace and His mercy. Why? Because the Bible says we know the grace of God. He who was rich became poor that Him through His poverty we might be what? Rich. I'm banking right now. I'm rolling. Why? Because I got treasures in heaven. And so do you. Jesus said to them, lay up treasures up in heaven where thief can't come, steal your stuff, but can't get molded and it can't be taken away. That's the treasures we got. And, and if that ain't good enough, he said, I got a mansion waiting for you too, bro. And he's like, I got the keys, but you got to go through that channel of valley of death to get it. And the streets up in heaven are made of gold. Man, you're kicking the curb, you're kicking gold, because gold ain't jack up there. It's so fine, we talk about 24 karat gold, it's so clear, it's so fine that it's crystal clear gold. And that ain't even the highlight of the heaven. The highlight is that we're going to be with Jesus, the light of the world. There ain't going to be no candles, no lamps, no lights, because the light will be there, and we'll be there like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. We could be rich. 
without a dime. But we need to appreciate and know where it came from and trust him. I seen on the news this week some guy, he was saving everything. I mean, he had all kinds of goods. It was in, I think, Tigard or Hillsborough. He had everything took it from his house. He had this sweet Porsche. I mean, his Porsche was, it showed a picture. That Porsche was tight. It was sweet. Gone. Don't build up treasures where somebody could come and steal. Build up your riches with your love, your hope, your grace in God. That's the riches we want. When we have those riches, then we can be strong in faith. When we don't plant ourselves in this world, we don't get rooted and grounded in the world because the world is not our home, but heaven is our home. We get grounded in him, and we'll be rich. And we'll have no need. Hallelujah. I like when Jesus told Peter, he said, when I sent you out to minister, did you lack anything? You know what Peter's answer was? We lack nothing, Lord. You know there's a place in God where you could just be so content that you lack nothing. You don't have to make more money. You don't have to get a sweeter car. You don't have to get a bigger house. You're just sitting there with God saying, thank you, Lord. Why? You delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desire of your heart. Because God delights in us. He wants us to be rich in faith, rich in mercy, rich in grace, and to have faith to believe him, to reach out. Not looking at the world, but to reach far out and beyond. And some, some of us might not make to the end where God's going to give that promise. But like some of them in, the, in, in Hebrews, they didn't make it for the promise, but they're all sitting there now in a cloud of glory, looking down on us now saying, come on, you could do it. Hallelujah. All you got to do is do it. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. We look to Him. We run with Him. And we believe Him. Amen? Let's stand. Hallelujah. Talking about the treasures of heaven and the treasures of faith. It's a beautiful thing for a Christian. Christians have a lot to look forward to. We're not looking for the undertaker. We're looking for the overmaker. Come on now. We're not looking for disaster. We're looking for a new heaven and a new earth. It's a place of contentment and great joy. The Bible says in Isaiah, it'll be an everlasting joy upon their head. That's the promise to us believers. And his promises are yea and amen. But you might be here today, and you might say, Pastor Andrew, I want to be, I want to have some treasures in heaven. I, I, I've, I've wandered away, or I've never given my life to Christ. And I want to have these treasures. I want to know Jesus, where I can be happy and I can be content. I don't have to keep reaching out for other things, but I'll reach to the promises for the city and the, and the kingdom that's made by God, the chief architecture, Jesus, as the chief cornerstone. I want to know him. If you say, I want to know him, and you want to rededicate or give your life to the Lord, you can show me by just raising your hand right now. Just raise your hand if you want to rededicate your life. I see that hand. I see that hand. Amen. There's more in here. God's got great riches for you. He became poor that through his poverty you could be rich. Rich in grace, rich in faith. 
Hallelujah. Is there anybody else? Say, Brother Andrew, I want to make a recommitment to you. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ today. I want to be for real. I want to be serious about it. I'm nothing without him, but I want to give my life to God. And will he take my life? Yes, he'll take you. He'll change you. He'll give you a fresh start. He doesn't care about your past. He cares about your future. Because he died for that past to abolish it, to, to erase it. If you want to give your life to Christ, raise your hand. The people that did raise their hand, will you please come up and we're going to pray for you. We're going to believe God. You guys, you saints can pray while we're praying for them. We're going to trust God that God's going to do a good work in their life. Come. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.